I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to your weekly Nerd Alert. Today, we are tackling something a little heavier than we normally do, um, so give this the official, whoa doc, this is heavy warning. Um, we'll still infuse our own brand of humor and what I'd into it, but just uh, just know we're, we're dealing with some, some slightly heavier subject matter. Uh, but I felt it was an interesting topic and something we could explore. So before we get into all that, before we get into this very special episode of Talk Nerdy Dude, uh, not that special. We're not going to diddle kids or get trapped in refrigerators. or. I'm have so excited. Jay's not going to be so excited. I don't think. He might already be. We're not entirely sure. Before we get to that, let me introduce the crew. My right-hand man. The man who keeps the nerd in the Top Nerdy To Me Network, the host of House Rules, ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. Hello, hello, thank you for that. And I appreciate the intro. However, I do want to, to make a small small addendum to that. I, I am one of five hosts of, uh, of, of House Rules, not just the host. So, it, it so is that, the, that means you have a 20% chance of getting Commander Scott. For, exactly, that's oh. very true. That's very true. But something did pop into my feed today, keeping the nerd in this that I I, I want to keep. I want to keep my title. Something popped into my feed uh, today, or not today, this week that that I think needs to be talked about or, because it's not. I didn't know anything about it. But next month, December. Well, hold 8th, on, hold on. Time out. Just interject here. The fact that Scott didn't know about this until now doesn't mean it's necessarily <laughs> something new or recent. That's very true. It just however, means it has just now come into Scott's sphere. However, however, I've been looking and I can't find any other like like it's not popping up in a lot of different places. Uh, okay. Next at next month, December eighteenth, two thousand twenty-one, we are launching the James Webb Space Telescope into space. Okay. Now I know everybody's heard of the Hubble. The Hubble went up many many years ago. This project was actually started in two thousand. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety-six. Um, that was originally planned for a 2007 launch. It's a $500 million project, uh, numerous delays and some technical glitches, but we're, we're in the, and of course, COVID, but we're finally get there. The telescope has a, uh, uh, an expected mass of about half of Hubble's mass, but its primary mirror, uh, is a 6.5 meter. That's about 21 to 22 feet diameter gold-coated beryllium reflector will have a collecting area over six times as large as the Hubble, 
and measuring about 273 square feet using 18 hexagonal mirrors uh, with uh, a 0.9 meter squared uh, obscuration uh, for the secondary support structures. However, uh, because of this and its collecting ability uh, and its ability to to collect uh, uh, information in the high redshift band and cold objects such as debris disks uh, and, and such, it is entirely possible that it could capture light far enough out that we could see the light of the Big Bang itself. They're hoping this will provide some proof uh, of the Big Bang, that yes, it happened. Because as you know, in space, the farther out you look, the farther back in time you're looking because of uh, 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 because light travels at light speed. Obviously, it doesn't travel FTL because it's light. So, so the further out you look, the further back in time you're looking. And hopefully, this will get us some light from the Big Bang itself. I have two takeaways from that, Scott. Yeah. Number one, it's nice to know that light travels at light speed. And the space telescope will go in space. It's good to know. Yep, yep, yep. I'm glad they labeled things very clearly. Clearly. Number two, indulge me. What year did they start work on this? 1996, the year I graduated high school. You know what else happened in 1996? What was that? Mike broke the Hubble. Mike broke the (laughs) Hubble. Mike broke the Hubble. Little MST3K jokes. Yeah. (laughs) For the people Mike, who know have the plans there. Oh, hey, look at that. Breach hole all die. Even had another one. I so, went the chances that I was doing something really stupid or that it would work, and I went ahead and did it anyway. Went ahead anyway. <laughs> so, Scott, what's the name of this one? Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. See, that's funny because I heard recently that after this one, they're going to launch an even smaller one called the Spud Webb Space Telescope. <laughs> um. Uh, Obi John, you got that mute button handy? Yeah, my joke was better. <laughs> Do you, you get it? Spud Webb, because he's a little little basketball player. Spud Webb? No? All right. Why are you sports talking ball. sports on this show? Crap. I've got to label these buttons. <laughs> Hang on. Wait, wait. Give me this one more. This is how thing. you break a Hubble, Scott. Hang you on. don't label buttons clearly. Hang on. Damn it. No, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Nope. I'm not doing this on purpose, I swear. There it goes. Okay. I've got to label those buttons. <laughs> I was really hoping it was gonna be that I really hope was hoping it was gonna be the chicken one. Oh no, I got that queued up. That's that's right here. <laughs> you see the size of that goddamn chicken? Yes. Oh boy. That was labeled. I know where that one's at. Well, at least we, now we know where Scott's priorities are. <laughs> All right, finishing out this trio, you've already heard them. I might as well label them for you like Scott, because Scott doesn't label stuff, so let me put a label on it. So you know the name to go with that voice. Joining us from somewhere in time and space via a DeLorean, maybe. It's the Doc. They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. Oh, my God. Sorry, I had that one. That was... That was too good, Jay. You, you, I don't, your delivery was way too good. I don't. Uh, I don't think I've seen this adult film parody. <laughs> I think I made you watch it at least once. Oh, the adult parody. Oh, not Troll Two. This Wait. ain't Troll Two Triple X. Uh, Troll. Tr- 
Trouser Trolls 2. Oh, Trouser Trolls 2. I like it. <laughs> they're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. Oh, my God. That worked, that worked almost too well. Did you guys rehearse that when I wasn't here? <laughs> See, it, bravo, Radio. It's it's funny though because instead of him peeing all over the food, he does something. Else. Anyway, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> and depending on what kind of porn you're watching, Jay, it may still be beer. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. We got in the weeds there. Let me get us out of it. <laughs> so we are your nerd alert crew. Uh, if you're still with us, congrats. Thank you. Uh, you get a medal for taking this long. Uh, we're gonna get to our actual topic today. And like I said, this is going to be a little more, a uh, little heavier, a little more serious than our normal topics. You know, the episode preceding this one is me and Jay talking about what weapons we'd use to fight off, you know, Decepticons and zombies and shit. So it's a little heavier than that. Uh, so unless you're living under a rock or you're Scott, you have probably heard uh, in, in recent news, there was a tragedy on the set of a, a film called Rust starring Alec Baldwin. Uh, the cinematographer, uh, hold on, I have names. Helena Hutchins was tragically shot and killed on set. Um, the hubbub around this uh, was all over the news. Uh, it, it continues to pop up as more details emerge and things happen. Um, it caught my interest because you know I'm a fan of films and it's a tragedy. Um, and and you know, we're humans and we're we're built to something terrible happened. Ooh, I want to know what happened. Like, show me more. Like we have that that car wreck mentality. Um, oh, there's a wreck. I want to see it. Uh, that, that's how we're wired. So I fell down a rabbit hole, and that kind of inspired today's show, which is talking about accidents on sets, uh, movie and TV and whatnot. Um, and we're not just here to to glorify the macabre and into to. Um, we're not here just to rubberneck. Uh, we, I do have a point to, to bring at the end of the show. Um, but before that, we're just going to kind of go through and discuss some of the worst and most famous accidents that have happened on sets. Starting with, uh, and I've got to start with it because it's the one most recent, um, the rust accident on shooting, which happened on October 21st. Uh, and holy crap, like, the more I dug into this, because I was just trying to get, like, Oh, I heard that happened. Had they released any details on what happened? Like, what exactly led to this accident? And the more I looked and the more I looked into certain people and their history and, and um, there's a, you know, legal documents have been released, like search warrants and affidavits and things like that. Like, it's just a never-ending well of holy shit and WTF material. Um, so we'll start with what we know. Or what we know as as we're told from legal documents. And I'll try to flag stuff when it gets into the realm of um, unconfirmed or alleged. Uh, but what happened was, so the, the film is a Western called Rust, um, starring and produced by Alec Baldwin, also starring uh, Travis Fimmel from uh, Vikings and uh, Jensen Eccles from Supernatural. It was a Western they were on set. Um, they were rehearsing, uh, blocking a shot where uh, Baldwin was cross-drawing from a holster. Uh, and apparently, from the way it sounds, drawing the weapon directly into camera. So the director and the cinematographer were kind of standing in front of him as they blocked out the shot. And on the third or fourth 
try of, of Alec Baldwin drawing and pointing the camera. There was a whip and a bang. Uh, Helena, the cinematographer, uh, was shot. The The round went through her and into the, I believe, the shoulder of the director, Joel Souza, who was standing behind her. There is followed by immediate confusion and chaos on set. They called uh, for an ambulance, had them rushed out. Uh, Helena did not survive. Um, Joel Souza did. He's, I think he's been released from the hospital now. That might not be right. Um, but the immediate chaos and confusion was, well, what the hell happened? Apparently, uh, according to what's been uh, said in the affidavit, Baldwin was handed a weapon to help block the shot uh, by the assistant director. And depending on certain reports, either the assistant director or somebody else yelled cold gun on set. Cold gun is terminology for this weapon is not loaded. Not just, hey, this doesn't have real bullets, but there's nothing in this weapon. There's no blanks. There's no dummies. This is an empty weapon. At some point, and it's still unclear if Baldwin pulled the trigger or if the weapon accidentally went off. There's evidence for both, actually, a little bit. Um, The weapon went off. It was a live round in this revolver, which draws even more questions. Uh, you know, why was there a live round anywhere near film production? Uh, the films don't use live rounds. So the more you dig into this, uh, first blame is put on the assistant director. Of, he's the guy that handed the, the weapon to Alec Baldwin and, and failed to check it uh, or whatever. And therefore, uh, blame is put on him. Uh, he was fired from another job in 2019. Um, when a weapon was accidentally discharged. So he has a bit of a history of this. Uh, he's also, the, the more I looked into this, he's got a, a long record of, of pretty much ignoring safety violations if things are to be believed. Um, now, if you know anything about a set, you know there's a person on set called an armorer whose job is to maintain the weapons on set and handle the weapons on set and train the actors how to handle the weapons on set. The armor in this case was a woman named Hannah Gutierrez Reed. She's 24 years old. This is her second job as an armorer. Uh, her father is a guy named Fell Reed, who apparently is like a legendary armorer in the business. Uh, she was on a podcast uh, between her first film and this film, uh, a podcast called Voices of the West, where she talked about learning on the job and learning it on her own. And talked about her fear of loading blanks. That looks like they were somewhat justified. Yeah. Um, she was, and I, I couldn't confirm if she was fired from the previous job or if she was, it all kind of blurred together. There were concerns brought up, at least, on her previous job. Apparently, again, if, if this story is to be believed, she loaded a weapon with the barrel on the ground. <laughs> and then handed it to a child actor oh. without checking the barrel to make sure nothing was blocking it. Well, again, this is an alleged story, but go ahead, Scott. So, because it only gets worse from here. Well, so when it comes to firearms, I mean, I, I'm I'm a firearm owner. Um, I've been around firearms all my life. You know, I was I was raised with them in the house. Uh, and I was I was raised uh, um, with with certain uh, axioms of firearm safety. Now, uh, the 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 main 
there, there are three main things of firearm safety. One, you always treat every weapon as if it is loaded at all times. Two, you do not put your finger on a trigger unless you intend to fire. Three, you do not point a weapon at anything you do not intend to kill or destroy. Now, this being a film set, I can understand how in in certain circumstances kind of one and two kind of fall a little bit to the wayside because like you said they were blocking out a shot uh the 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 point of view of the camera that they're 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 trying to get the shot that they're trying to get the camera the camera people and everything kind of have to be downrange as it was he's got to squeeze the trigger because they want that action so so i can kind of understand this however my takeaway from this is, is is i've got uh, I've got I've got three points that that get with get me with this whole incident. One, I don't I care. Saying, do you want to hold off because there's some details you don't know yet, or that I haven't got into yet? Um, uh, okay, I mean, you can go ahead. I just don't know. I just want well, to have all the facts. I, I don't know. So, go ahead. First, first and foremost, and and, and keep in mind the stuff I don't know yet. I mean, because you say you got some more points to make, and that's cool, but. When I think about this, I got I got three things. Yeah. One, uh, I know you said it's kind of on, you know, the 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 initial blame or the initial kind of thing is being put on the assistant director because he's the one that handed the weapon to Alec Baldwin. But I don't care where I'm at, what the situation is, or what's going on. If you hand me a weapon, the first thing I am doing is checking to see if that weapon is loaded or not. You hand me a weapon, I'm opening the action. I am going to clear that weapon. Because I don't care who hands it to me and what they say. Once that weapon is in my possession, whatever I do with it is on me. Plain and simple. Number two. There has been a... uh, a call I know I've seen uh, from a bunch of different people in the film industry since this incident happened um, that Hollywood should stop using uh, firearms firing blanks. And I tend to agree with that with our, with our technology. Now you don't need actual blanks on set at all. Um, that being said, you still need a physical firearm in their hands, whether it's but, but, but you can have non-functioning weapons. In other words, it doesn't matter if there would be a live round in it or not, it still would not fire. We'll definitely get to that. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then and, and then number three is if you are, if you are going to make that decision and have that on your production, no actor should accept a weapon from anybody but the armor. Regardless of the armor's experience. You know, somebody just walks up to Alec Baldwin and said, here, cold gun. Yeah, I'll get it from the armor. Thanks. But even then, back to my main point, I don't care what the situation is. Someone hands you a firearm. The first thing you do is you clear that weapon. You Let make sure you guy. personally know if that weapon is hot or not. Do you know, just by opening the cylinder of a revolver, the difference between a dummy round, a live round, or a blank round? Personally? Yes, because I've seen what blanks look like. And they don't look the same. Look, as I, I don't mean em- I don't mean open it and empty the whole cylinder and look at every round. I mean, no, no, open the no, cylinder, no. look, rotate yeah, it back in. No, no, no. 
No, but that's not clearing a weapon. If I open a cylinder and I see there is a shell in that, I have to look at that shell. That is clearing a weapon. Okay. That's not, I understand gun safety. That makes total sense. On a set, absolutely not. If you have actors playing with weapons, if if the story was, well, Alec Baldwin was handed a weapon and was told it was cold and then he was playing with it and then a live round got in it and got shot, this would all be about Alec Baldwin and what did he do to the gun? The the biggest lapse in safety on this is, and it's like just like you said, Scott, the only person who should have been handling his weapons is the armor. And yeah. and yeah. protocol on set, and this is the big takeaway here is is protocol on this set seems to have been completely thrown out the window. Yeah. That the AD was running around grabbing guns off carts and handing them to actors. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a couple more points that I hadn't got to yet that are gonna e- even shed more even more light on that. There were two, not one, two prior instances on set of weapons accidentally being discharged. Fuck. Shit. Including, and I could not confirm this, so take it with, uh, put this in the alleged category, the very weapon Alec Baldwin was handed that day. Couldn't confirm that, but uh, one of the reports said that one of the two weapons that had been accidentally discharged was the same one Baldwin was using. Yeah, and 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 to your point, I I agree. On a film set, uh, you're you're right. It, it, you don't want an actor, uh, all willy nilly just messing with their weapon. Once they're once they have a weapon in hand for a scene and it's committed, you don't want them just taking stuff out, swapping things out. I get that. You're going to lose control. That that's fine. However, at the same time, um, what should have happened is that what should happen. I'm not going to say should have happened. What should happen, in, in my opinion, just for, for safety reasons, is when an actor is given a weapon, A, it should be by the armor. If it's not by the armor, the, 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 the actor should go to the armor with that weapon. And with the armor present under the armor's supervision, that's when the actor should verify for themselves that the weapon is cold. Typical protocol, you're not handed the weapon until you're literally about to do the take where you're firing the weapon. And as soon as you're done firing the weapon, it's taken back by the armor. Yeah. It, armor, yeah, exactly. actor, should... fires, back to armor. That's typical protocol. And that, that, uh, that's a good protocol. The, the last, which again, I don't know why that was being discarded on this set. The, the last thing, and what I think is really the most damning piece of evidence uh, of any of this, there were reports that off hours, crew and possibly actors were firing live rounds from the weapons used on set, plinking cans. Yeah, uh, I was I was just gonna say this. This almost feels like a, hey, it's it's ten o'clock at night. We've wrapped for shooting. Y'all want to go shoot a few rounds off? Yeah. And yeah. they, the police. Obviously, the set was closed down. The actors were taken off set, but couldn't leave town yet. Uh, everything on set was confiscated by the, the local police for the investigation. They did recover live ammunition from the armor. Oh, shit. Dumbass. Who then came out with a whole defense of, oh, I was sabotaged. Dumbass. Like I said, this story just keeps going. Yeah, I'm going to cut it off here for the sake of time. But um, as of now, no files have officially been charged. 
Um, again, don't lose sight of the actual tragedy here. Oh, did I mention the camera crew walked off set the day this happened? <clears throat> did I get to that point? Uh, I think I forgot that. The camera crew, the very morning this happened, walked off set because A, they hadn't been paid yet. B, their hotel was 60 miles away from set. Uh, so they had to shoot 12 hour days, then drive an hour to the hotel, get to five hours of sleep, wake up and start over again. Uh, and then lastly, safety. They left because safety was being ignored. Their safety protocols were being ignored the very day this happened. Um, yeah, yes. it, it's, it's one of those. I think the, the real root here is this was a low budget production and they were trying to get um, buy as cheap as they could. So they hired an armor whose father has a really great reputation, even though it's one of her first jobs. So they got her for peanuts on the dollar and they got an assistant director who, uh, from what it sounds like, is kind of unofficially been blacklisted even before this because uh, of having a very spotty work record with safety and various other allegations against him so he was willing to work cheap um what it sounds like to me is my take and and scott i'm with you on on pretty much everything you brought up um and the other thing that blew my mind when i was reading this is i was looking into okay well what do you have to do to become an armorer on a movie set is there like because you know stunt people there's a union you have to go through that um hold on i looked it up Uh, okay to handle pyrotechnics on a movie set in california you need a license which requires five letters of recommendation two years of apprenticeship and a passing written test to be an armorer in california all you need is a background check wow in other states you don't even need that so technically i qualify to be an armorer can i get a Uh, can i get an application are they they hiring (laughs) Jay, you know, I could use to change a location. I know, I know guns, guys. I know yeah. guns. Jay, you know what? Uh, I, I, I know your, your, your hunting acumen and your background, and you could be my armor any day. Yes, yes. But just so you know, if I ever do a production on my set, you know, you, me, and the actor will verify that a weapon is cold or hot before anything takes place. <laughs> Scott, if it's the kind of movie I think we're making, we'll ha- we'll have hot weapons, don't you worry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that, that that that's insane that all you need is is a right. tech. Yeah, I was blown away. I was like, well, surely okay, because and again, uh Hannah Gutierrez Reed, her second job is is I was like, oh, that must mean like her second job as like the lead armorer. Like she's clearly, you know, her dad's in the business. I'm sure she's worked with her dad and stuff on set. She, she, no, apparently she was a model, and then uh, I guess that didn't quite work out for her. So she decided to take her hand at being an armorer, and clearly that isn't working out for her. So I just like, it's it's mind boggling. The person in charge of handling deadly weapons on a film set, a set which is an inherently supposed to be a safe place to do unsafe things. Look at all the shit we do in movies. We oh, yeah. light people on fire. We intentionally crash cars. We jump off rooftops. All these things you would never do, but on a movie, it's okay to do that because we have protocol in place and we've yep. done this before and we know steps to follow to make it safe uh, for you to do that. The person who's in charge of that, no qualifications necessary. You passed a background check, cool. Start up a business, you're an armorer now. 
What? Yeah. Yeah, that that. Uh, but uh, once again, uh, the the whole the whole uh, uh, I don't know what you call it the uh, not movement but the call for um, a bunch of people in in Hollywood that that are you know the the fact that using a a a, a fireable weapon that can is capable of firing live rounds and blanks and the practice of firing blanks on set really doesn't need to be practical anymore. We, we don't need to do that. We can, no. we can, we can get around that. And if you go to completely non-functional weapons with a, yeah, it may up your budget a little bit, but um, I think it's worth it to save a human life. Uh, that's uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson himself said pretty much the same thing uh, a couple days ago. Uh, he said that, uh, he will never set on set foot on a set that has fun, real firearms again. And it'll be you, airsoft type weapons have become so great. Uh, they look just like the real thing on camera. You've got the CO2 to get your recoil action. All you do have to do is add muzzle flash and post. Um, yeah. Look no further than the John Wick films. Um, because the combat in the John Wick movies, actors are firing weapons so close to each other and themselves and other actors, a lot of those fight scenes did not use functional weapons. They used basically high-end airsoft. Yeah. Um, and then added muzzle flash and later. Because there was no way, even even firing a blank. So yeah. a blank is a, it's a round that doesn't have a projectile, but it still has the wow. powder. It yep. still releases gases and puts out pressure. Uh, you can hurt or even kill someone with a blank. Um, so because, again, John Wick, because they're they're doing the whole gun kata thing and they're all super tight quarters, there was no way they could do that safely. So they did a lot of that stuff with you know the actors went through live firearms training on yeah. a on a a shooting. Um, um, I can't think of words now. A range. Uh, yeah, thank you. A range. <laughs> they went to the range. <laughs> they went through weeks, months of training with live weapons to understand how to handle them, to get a feel for the recoil of a weapon, all that kind of stuff. But on set, on the day, they're basically airsoft. So I, I, I'm sorry. Um, uh, this, this this sends my brain into a little bit of a tangent here, real quick. If you, if oh, you don't, go. Uh, sure. it, it's actually because you you mentioned uh, the the actors going through live fire training, uh, like like a boot camp. Yeah. Or something for weapons, and, and and that is something. Uh, yeah, it, you should definitely do with actors and stuff. They do need to get a feel for the for how a weapon actually fires, so that they can it can help the acting. It can help them mime what they need to mime. Um, but it reminds me of a story of uh, filming. Uh, I think it was Full Metal Jacket. I'm not sure. It was either Full Metal Jacket or Platoon. I don't remember which one. Um, but Dale Die, the uh, the, the the actor, the former military officer who turned consultant turned actor who's been in every military film for the last 30, 40 some odd years. Pretty much. Uh, uh, he he held a boot camp, uh, I think like a week or two weeks prior to filming for the principal actors, you know. And at the time uh, of, of that they did this. Uh, one of the things that he liked to do is he liked to, as soon as they, you know, they, they bust people in or whenever they got to the area, he immediately had pyrotechnics, pyrotechnics going off and he, he threw them straight into a combat situation, like right off the bus, you know? And so 
he said the actors they 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 start off the bus and stuff explosions start happening gunfire starts going off and everything like that and he's like get down get down and he starts throwing them into pre pre dug foxholes and stuff that he has um actually oh it was sean penn so it would have had to have been um platoon right sean penn platoon he's definitely not in full metal jacket so yeah yeah, yeah. um so uh, he, he, he has a weapon on him and he throws everybody into the thing and he starts looking around, give me a magazine, give me a magazine. And apparently Sean Penn pulls out a copy of time that he got at the airport. It <laughs> 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 hands him a copy of time because it was the only magazine he had. Nice. That's that a, a damn story. good soldier because he yeah. followed orders. He did. He did. But anyway, so. Yeah, uh, and again, like I said, it feels like every couple of days something else comes out about this, and it's just like, it's just, it. I went down such a freaking rabbit hole trying to to to, to dig into this story, but uh, tragic nonetheless. We lost the life of a, a cinematographer, uh, Helena Hutchins. She was forty two years old. Uh, by all accounts, had a bright future ahead of her. Uh, great career path laid out in front of her. Cut short uh, because of one way or another carelessness on a set. Um, films are great, but no one should ever die making a movie. So, yeah. Um, with that, I mean that was the big one, but it's not by no means is this the only accident that's ever happened on set. Um, do you guys have examples you want to yeah. list out? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, I, I have a few. I figured we were going to do like a round table type situation, yeah. take turns, whatever. So one that always pops into my head um, is one that recently came to light that people didn't know about. So um, back in the early 2000s, because I can't actually remember when it came out. Hold on. Give me a second and I'll find it because I'm on the right page here. Uh, 2003, 2004. Okay. Uh, Quentin Tarantino did a little double feature you might have heard of. uh, Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. You guys, you guys familiar with these movies? Never heard of them. Okay. Quentin who? Right? So the big one, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Um, Uma Thurman was in a car crash on set. Um, and it wasn't even on set. It was on location. So um, what we found out, because the stunt coordinator, so the stunt coordinator for Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 is a guy named Keith Adams. And, you know... He really hasn't done much in the way of stunts. Uh, You know, just Mad Max, Fury Road, Jason Bourne, Baby Driver, uh, Wonder Woman, 1984. He was a performer. Quiet Place Part 2. You know, just just not very many things, right? I'm I'm going to assume these are all movies. (laughs) These are all recent movies. Uh, So anyway... He was the stunt coordinator for Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. And well, what he, had he done before that? Before Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2? Everything you listed came after. Uh, he did, let's see, Swordfish. He was a stunt driver. Okay. Sp- Spider-Man, he was a stunt driver. Uh, Sounds like Kill Bill was his first, uh, first gig. Stunt as coordinator. coordinator. No, the... He was a stunt coordinator on a movie called City of Ghosts, but I've never seen it. And then The Rules of Attraction. 
and then the United States of Leland. Okay. So anyway, stunt coordinator for Vo- Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, and he was not even on set the day that this accident happened. And he said he was told that there would be no stunts scheduled that day, or that he even said that there were no stunts scheduled for that day. So uh, Uma Thurman was asked to drive this sort of ragtop convertible um, down a windy gravel road, lost control, and uh, hit a tree. Um, She came away with a concussion and injured her knees, but later they found out that the ragtop convertible was not equipped with a roll cage, did not have shoulder harnesses, and there's no indication whether or not she was wearing her lap belt while driving it. So it sounds like they said no stunts because they just wanted her to drive a car down the road, and that turned into a stunt because it went off the road. Yeah, pretty much. So... Yeah, that's kind of an inherent issue with film sets, too, is something as simple as that. Um, there's another uh, thought, something I thought you were going to bring up. There's as a famous take because it's in the actual movie, but in Django Unchained, um, in one scene, Leonardo DiCaprio's characters have a tyrant about something, and he slams his hand down on the table, and he breaks a glass with his hand. Yeah, and cuts, cuts it hand. open. Yeah, and it starts bleeding. Well, being the actor he is, he just keeps going. Now, that was an accident on set, but he was just supposed to stand up and deliver dialogue. So sometimes the confusion on a set can come with, you know, this was never intended to be, well, yeah, nothing dangerous was supposed to happen there. He was just supposed to deliver his lines, but he got really into it and smacked that that glass and it, it turned into an accident, you know. And then actually they they involved it in the movie because then they, they put yeah, they left they, they left that take in, yeah. And they and then they put fake blood on his hand and he smeared it on that actress's face uh <laughs> same thing happened in uh lord of the rings um in two towers when yep, Viggo Mortensen and them yeah they, they they're looking for um pippin and mary and, and they find all the dead orc bodies and Viggo Mortensen kicks uh i think it's a helmeted head or something and yep. then screams out and falls to his knees and everyone's like wow that's such great acting and they yelled cut and Viggo's like ah i think i hurt my foot um <laughs> He broke his foot. He broke his toe, kicking that head. <laughs> but it was a great take. Um, poor Sean Astin. Same thing happened at the end of um, uh, Fellowship of the Ring when he's chasing Frodo into the water and he's he's like wading through the the water to get to the boat. They cleared as best they could that section of the beach he was supposed to walk on, but there was still a piece of broken glass and he stepped right on it. And he's a hobbit. So he's not wearing boots or shoes. He's got fake silicone hobbit feet, and it went right through that into his foot. Oh. So yeah. that that was just my that was just one that one of the more recent ones that came to mind that I thought of. Yeah, that's crazy. That's uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a great example of they may never have intended that to be a stunt, but there's a thin line in movies. Well, that and I think, in my opinion, having an actor or actress drive a vehicle is not a big deal. If they're driving it, say, on a paved road in very, like, controlled conditions, 
this is a random gravel road on location in like Mexico or wherever they were shooting and asked her to drive 40 miles an hour down this gravel road. And if you're seasoned with driving on gravel, you can handle going 40 miles an hour down a gravel road in a convertible. But if you're not used to driving on gravel roads, which I'm not saying Uma Thurman is or isn't, but I'm going to guess she leans more towards the not having driven on gravel. So, And as a driver's ed teacher, I'm an expert on people not being able to drive on gravel. She strikes your own company, Jay. That's so wrong. Well, when you when you end up sideways in a minivan on a gravel road because they're supposed to take a 90 degree left turn, but they didn't slow down to the proper speed, you you learn things. Hmm. So, anyway. so, so what you're saying is you are uh, a stunt coordinator in Iowa. A gravel road a, stunt driver. A mm-hmm. gravel road stunt driver in Iowa. S- slash armor. <laughs> did you hand somebody a gun one time? Congrats, you're an armorer. I did. I, I showed yeah. my mom how to shoot a pistol. I was the neighborhood armorer back in Illinois when we used to play Capture the Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, does, does it count if I pulled out an M1 Garand, fixed a bayonet, and handed it to my mother-in-law one time? Yeah. Yes, oh. that counts double. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was that show and tell at Danny's where you brought the grand over. You're totally an armorer. Yes, and if you will notice, when I hand a weapon to somebody, I open the action and clear it. Just FYI. Again, different when we're hanging out at Danny's versus on a film set. See, and it should. Especially with revolvers, too, because there are people, tons of idiots online who are like, oh, you should have known it was loaded. You can tell from a revolver. And like, that's why they have dummy rounds. So it looks loaded on camera. So, no, he he would have, he wouldn't have known it was a live round yeah. or a dummy round because that's not his yeah. job. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. If you just look at the back of the round between a dummy round, a blank round, and a live round, they're all going to look pretty much the same, just from the rear. You You have to look at the whole round before you can tell. <laughs> of course, these are the same people that that uh, argue with me that you can't unload an M1 Garand without firing it because they played Call of Duty. Fuckers. <laughs> and they well, Scott, you... weapons with their friend online, so now they're an armorer. <laughs> Scott, you hand me an M1 Garand, I'll gladly unload it. The fact that you know it can be unloaded warms my heart, sir. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I know it can be unloaded, but also I meant shoot it. I would shoot it at things to unload it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, it can actually be unloaded without firing the weapon. Yes, because it would it would not make sense to have a weapon that couldn't be unloaded because it would not be safe to transport people with loaded weapons constantly. Yeah, yeah, it would not make sense to design a weapon that cannot be unloaded other than firing it exactly right that's that's the most ridiculous thing on the face of the planet who are these people they need to be snapped (laughs) they They are people call of duty they play call of duty exactly they saw saving private ryan and they watched all of band of brothers so they're kind of an expert now okay Uh, but did they watch fury exactly no they watched almost half of the pacific 
Ooh, all right. I've not seen Fury. Should I watch Fury? Yes. It's not bad. It's great. I'll have to watch. You, 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 your opinion doesn't count, sir. You have a poster of it on your wall that, that makes <laughs> you biased. I'll bring you my copy, Scott. I, what? There's no poster on Yeah, there is. I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wrong. Scott, do you have any examples of on-set accidents? Well, so, you know, what... Of course, I was born and raised here in in Kentucky. Uh, I live in Lexington, Kentucky now. I wasn't born in Lexington, but I live there now. Um, and when I think of accidents on on set, one of the first things that comes to my mind you you may know where I'm going with this. Jay may not. Um, somebody just cracked a beer. Apparently, false. There's this is an allegation. It, it was an allegation. You are correct. There is no proof. Yeah, did you stop and check that beer before you crack it open? <laughs> it, it is a it's a cold beer. Cold, cold beer on set. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> um anyway, so I know Jay was talking about uh recent accidents and stuff, but I'm gonna throw this back to uh a, a harken back to an earlier era. Um, cause accidents on set are not a new thing and they weren't even a new thing at this time. They, you know, as far as, as long as there's been films being made, there have been accidents. Um, but there was a movie, uh, in around 1979, 1980 that was filmed called steel. Uh, not the Shaquille O'Neal steel, not the Shaquille O'Neal steel. Very true. Um, in fact, I've never actually seen this movie cause it's kind of hard to find a copy of it. Um, but it involved a stunt man doing a fall from a construction site, which was filmed in downtown Lexington. In fact, the building that was being built at the time is still there. Um, it's it, it since been completed. Uh, they, they filmed the shot of him falling. Um, uh, I believe, uh, Hang on, I'm trying to remember. He he had jumped from like the ninth floor or something. I'm I'm not sure what uh what what height the original shot was, but he 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 jumped. The stunt man's name was A.J. Bakunas, um, and and he did the jump, and they got it, uh, they got the take. Everything was good, and they they went on you know filming the rest of the movie. Uh, now at the time, A.J. Bakunas, uh. Uh, held the world record uh, for the 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 highest free fall for a stuntman, which at the time was 230 feet, which he set on the film Hooper, um, uh, and and he he jumped from a helicopter. However, after uh, he had filmed the the stunt for the movie Steel, um. Uh, a a stuntman named uh, uh, Dar Robinson uh, broke that record with a 286 fall, uh, or a 286 foot fall um, for a non movie related publicity stunt, and AJ Bakunis wanted to retake his record. So after getting the shot, and this is why I bring this up because uh, because this is it's just such a waste. After successfully uh, falling nine stories. They went back to the site 
because he wanted to jump from a higher height to retake the record. So he jumped from the 22nd floor, a 315-foot jump uh, in order to reset a record. It was a shot they already had in the can. They didn't need this shot. He just wanted to retake a record. He did this jump on September 21st, 1978. Literally, my first birthday. Uh, his father was on set. His father was visiting at the time. He was on set to watch him. There was a crowd of about a thousand people that were watching this 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 stunt being filmed. He performed the fall, reaching an estimated speed of 115 miles per hour. Now, not not knowing his mass, I, I don't know if that's terminal velocity for him. However, the airbag split on impact, Oof. and he went straight down into ground. And uh, uh, he wasn't killed instantly. Uh, uh, he survived the jump, uh, uh, but uh, uh, passed away of his injuries the following day on September 22nd. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Do they, I don't think they do stunt falls on a, on a regular basis anymore. Well, I mean, I know they, they still do and they don't. Uh, well, that kind of stunt fall? No. Um, nowadays you'd have to have the wired, the, the actor would have to be on a harness, uh, or a stunt person. Yeah. Um, and you'd have to do a dummy fall first. And if it's going to be over, uh, so many feet, usually what they do now is they, they green screen it. Yeah. So they're doing a fall, but rather than 315 feet, they're doing like 30 feet on a blue screen. And then we put the building in later. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to do 300-foot falls. We, yeah. we, we can green screen a very safe fall. Um, and conversely, though, if you look, if you look at, 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 at falls from the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, uh, some in the 90s and stuff, but once you get past the mid-90s into the 2000s when we started doing the safer green screen falls for the, for the longer falls, you don't see it as much, but if you watch those older films, you you see the 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 stuntman tuck, as I like to call it. If you if you know what I'm talking about, when they're falling and they get re- like right before the camera cuts away, you see them just barely tuck into their landing. That's 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 not what I thought you meant. <laughs> that's what a cup is for, Jay. <laughs> stuntman tuck. But but yeah, I it just it just kills me when I think about this because once again it's senseless. I mean, first of all, you don't want anybody to be killed on a set, obviously. But I, I guess if you're a stunt man, you know, if if you're if you're in that that Lee Majors world, what I did there. Uh, I get it. Yeah, fall guy. I get and, it. And yeah. You're, yeah, and you're and you're you know you're you're doing it for your craft, and, and it's something that you need. I, I guess there's some sort of integrity to that, but the fact that he just did it to set a record again, just just to retake a record. I don't know. It just just seems like a waste. Uh, so that reminds me of a story that my uh, rock climbing instructor at UNI told us. There, so. Um, there's a sport in rock climbing where you basically go to the top of whatever you're climbing and attach a rope and then jump and swing and, uh, the rope catches you 
well, that's illegal in a lot of places. And so this guy went up and climbed to the top and got caught jumping off and they put him in jail. Well, he left all of his equipment out on the rock. And when he got released from jail, he went back to the rock to jump off of it. And uh, sunlight damages rock climbing ropes and weakens their integrity. Oh, shit. And it had been sitting out for like, I don't know, weeks. And he tied himself up and um, was on a phone call and said, hey, I'm going to go jump one more time. And he jumped and the rope snapped. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. So. Just like, yeah. I don't get it. Don't get it. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Also, I did think of when you're talking about green screen falls and and actors actually or stuntmen doing the fall. It made me think of um, Alan Rickman in Die Hard because they did use a green screen, but they actually used him falling as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they like they like released before he knew it was gonna happen or something. So yeah, they, so, they, they rehearsed and told them, okay, here's we're gonna do three, two, one, drop you. And they rehearsed it that way. And then on the take, they did okay, three, two, drop. Yeah. Actually, it was just after three. <laughs> well, but it was before we, he was ready. Right? Yeah, we watched uh um we watched the movies that made us and they discussed it on there and um they interviewed the stunt coordinator. And he said that they hooked up Alan Rickman. They talked about, like like uh, John said, they talked about it, what they were going to do. And he says, okay, three, and then hit the release. And uh, they said that Alan Rickman got up from the airbag and the pads and just told everybody he was okay. But then he was just pissed off well, yeah. for a really long time after that. Oh, blame me. Shit. I'd I'd be scared shitless too. All of a sudden you're you're prepping for a three, two, one fall and you get three. Uh oh. Yeah. That look on his face. So the next time you watch Die Hard, watch Alan Rickman's face when he gets dropped off the side of the building because that is actual terror on his face. Exactly. That's not acting. That's legit terror. (laughs) Because they went three click. such a dick move but it made for a great shot it does right? but uh um as you say john if you don't mind since we're talking about stuntmen i wanted to talk about another onset accidents plural uh since we're already talking about stunts and stuntmen uh, okay are you ready for this maybe you you couldn't have a podcast about Stunts and accidents on set without bringing up this name, Jackie Chan. Oh, God. (laughs) Jackie Chan. You could make an entire episode just over Jackie Chan and the stunts that he does and the entire series about each injury, Jackie Chan. (laughs) So I narrowed it down. I was. I had some free time today. I narrowed it down. I whittled it to his most intense injuries. Okay. So the first one, the most serious one that he's ever incurred was on a film called Armor of God. I don't know if you guys have heard this story. No. 
So he was jumping from, I believe he's jumping from a building to a tree. And he got it on the first take. Got it. So kind of like what you were saying, Scott. Yeah. But when he he looked at it, when he looked, when they played it back for him, he said he didn't think it looked fast enough. So he tried it again. And the second time he did it, he grabbed the tree, but lost his grip, fell backwards, landed on his back. His head hit a rock. The rock dislodged bone from his skull and pushed it up into his brain and had paramedics not been immediately on site he would not have he'd not be with us today what why, why is there not a series that that focuses on a on 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 a stuntman or an action star or something that constantly gets hurt on his own sets, just based off of the true life stories of Jackie Chan, right? Because it gets better. Okay, uh, the next one, this one I guess is not as bad, but if you watch in the outtakes and watch what happens to him, like because they always do like the outtakes and maybe like things that go wrong at the end of his movies. Uh, Rumble in the Bronx. He jumped from a bridge onto a hovercraft. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where he breaks his leg? They did it in one take. They only got one take because he broke his ankle. Yeah. And, and, and like, there's several scenes after that where he's wearing, like, a, a sock over his cast that makes yes. it look shoe and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I was just going to say is that they put a cast on it, and he put on a fake like sock over it that makes it look like a shoe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he did his water drag scene with that sock on his cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So literally Jackie Chan's. So Jackie Chan's uh, autobiography, whenever he gets around to, to, to writing one should be titled walk it off. <laughs> right. Oh, because like I said, it still gets better. These are, these are like his greatest hits. Literally. Uh, in the movie Drunken Master, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Drunken Master, uh, I, but I think we need to have a a Jackie Chan like like marathon best of thing. Going oh yeah, okay. Uh, so he he almost got burned, like severely burned, um, but he did almost lose eyesight in one of his eyes. He almost went blind in one of his eyes. He took a kick to the face. And it broke the bone that I can't think the name of. Broke the bone that is basically your eyebrow. Just Ow. broke that. And I, I didn't he, know you could break an eyebrow. Yeah, the bone. It's like the. It's like not occipital. It's something. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Wait. Wait. One. We're we're gonna call in uh, an anatomy expert here uh, to, to see if we can we can phone a friend here, uh, honey. <laughs> I, I don't know if this will fall in her wheelhouse or not and, and i'm not sure if she's listening to me is he is he? <laughs> yes come here <laughs> Hang on. well while we're waiting yeah the coolest oh, injury yeah. that jackie chan's ever gotten um isn't a real injury, but in one of his earliest roles, he did have the honor of having his neck pretend snapped 
by Bruce Lee. Yep. In Enter the Dragon. Um. So, also while we're waiting for Scott. Okay. Uh, continuing on with my greatest hits, Jackie Chan. Yes. In the movie Police Story, he took a fall from a second floor balcony onto his back with no padding. He stood up and walked it off, but you can you see the look on his face that he's in severe pain. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, but that's not that is that is bad as that is. That's not even the worst thing he did in police story. Well, hang on one second. We we we've got our we've got our phone yep, screen. Yep, yep. So so apparently Jackie Chan at some point Police story is that what it was? Which one was it? Uh, uh, Drunken master. Drunken master broke his eyebrow. So what bone would that be? The orbital? Is it the orbital? Is, is there another? Is there another bone in there between the orbital and the the parietals? In the forehead? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure. I know you 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 you've had quite a bit of anatomy and, and physiology and stuff and, right. and the training. We, for your- we no. can figure this out. The foot bone's connected to the leg bone. The leg bone's connected to the knee bone. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start at the toe. The toe's connected to the foot. Foot goes to the ankle. Ankle goes to the leg. We'll get up there eventually, I swear. Uh, Fever? Uh, fibia? Fibia? Fibula? Tibia? No, the, 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 activia? Are you offering the, me some activia? The, Are you the, offering me probiotics uh, so I can stay regular? The the tarsals? Metatarsals? Um, okay. Metacarpals? Please, so. Sorry. Police story. The 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 biggest stunt. He had to do it in one take. He jumps off of a railing, grabs a pole, slides down it through Christmas lights. How? Live Christmas lights. And at the end of it, breaks through a pane of glass. On his slide down, he received burns on his body cuts from the glass uh he was electrocuted on his way down and then broke through the pane of glass and that's why jackie chan stopped making big movies in china (laughs) so i had to include jackie chan on this show tonight because i just want to see an x-ray of his full body I don't. There's nothing. It's probably just like screws and, and that plates. should be the cover of his autobiography. Walk it off. Story of my life. One injury at a time by Jackie Chan. <laughs> oh, man. I love Jackie Chan movies, though. Who does? Uh, OK, so looking at it, it it's either going to be just straight the frontal, uh, which is the, 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 the front part of the forehead. Um, uh, or it's going to be uh, a section of the bone called the suborbital margin. I think uh, that's what it was. It's going to be one of those two. It was the suborbital margin. Is that what you think it was? I think because it was like it was a weird name. It was a weird name. So it wasn't just frontal. So, yeah, probably probably the suborbital margin. That's that's what our phone a friend uh, anatomy physiology expert is 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 giving us. So, yeah, I'm going to go Everybody with that. get that. It's going to be a test later. <laughs> write that down but that's uh one of my favorite things to watch in jackie chan movies like other than the movie itself oh, yeah, the is at the end yeah uh 
just all the things that he does, his own stunts. And, like, you can say, yes, these are accidents on set, but he's also doing it himself because he's doing his own stunts. And, but it still is an accident. You know what I mean? Like, he did not intend to break his ankle in Rumble in the Bronx. Right. Yeah. Which is a great movie, actually. No one's arguing yeah. that. Yeah. You're fine. But uh, good old Jackie Chan. And well, he has, he's basically stopped doing his own stuff. He will still do his own, like, fight scenes, but not big stunts like what well, he was known for. Well, that's because the man's, like, 104 years old now. I mean, yeah. It's a national treasure now. He is. Well, there's two films we'd be remiss not to bring up on this episode if we're talking about <clears throat> accidents on set. And we can spend as much or as little time as you guys want on them. The first one, of course, being uh, 1993 on the set of The Crow, the tragic death of Brandon Lee, um, which, again, uh, sort of like the Rust incident, which it's filled with all kinds of rumor and in uh, hyperbole and, and became like the thing of like an urban legend in and of itself uh, well, as to what happened to him. Okay. Well, that, that one happened because of the curse. We all know that. Right. Yeah, sure. Wait, don't believe or, or it happened because uh, a weapon hadn't been properly cleared. Uh, it had something jammed in the barrel and then we loaded a second type of blank that had no projectile but doubled the powder to make a nice big bright muzzle flash and then that turned into a projectile and shot him. That or a curse. Whatever you want to believe. This is cursed. That is cursed. I'm going with curse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, No charges were filed. It was deemed an accident. Um, But, and it maybe I'm just cynical, but it's one of those things where you're you can't separate the tragedy of the loss of Brandon Lee from the crow. You can't bring up one without talking about the other. Um, part of, I feel the popularity of the movie is that it's the last film from this rising star, uh, and, and the tragedy behind it. So wait, there were more from him. There were movies before him, before the crow with him in it. Well, they tried to do movies after The Crow with him in it, but... Oh. Well, they <laughs> finished making The Crow after he died. So, yeah. yes, there are shots where it's his stunt double with his face uh, matted over top of it. See, my shock and awe is that every time I hear the name Brandon Lee, the only thing I ever think of is The Crow. So I guess I was unaware that he was in other things before yeah. The Crow. That's because... You haven't seen Laser Mission? <laughs> Showdown uh, in a little Showdown well, in a little Tokyo or yeah, I think so. It, yeah, on. literally. The, um, uh, uh, Brandon Lee. I mean, it, it it's a tragedy on multiple levels. First of all, yeah, of course we have the accident, and, and he was killed. And that was a tragedy. But he was a, he was a rising star, um, and, and and he had such promise going in, but literally everything that he had done before this was kind of like intro stuff where he's he's getting his feet wet and he's he's making his name and then it's overshadowed by the 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 the, the accident on the crow it, it's 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 a promising career that is completely just buried because of how he died no one else thinks of anything else 
That's all they remember. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. Jay, <clears throat> Sorry. He he was on a bunch of TV stuff. He was in Kung Fu the Movie in 1986. Uh, he did one of the best titles for a movie ever, Laser Mission, in 1989. He did Showdown in Little Tokyo with uh, Dolph Lundgren in 1991. It's goofy, but it's fun. He did a Rapid Fire, a bunch of low-budget action movies, and The Crow was set to be his big breakout role. So, yeah. But you're right, Scott. It's uh, like I said, it, you can't separate one from the other, and it's a weird cycle. Yeah. You know, would the movie still be as popular now if it wasn't for the accident? Because they're so inseparable now. What would the film have been like had the accident not happened, and there were all kinds of scenes that they hadn't got to to film yet, and never did because of the loss of Brandon Lee. Like, you know, maybe the movie would have sucked. Yeah. There, there were uh, whole characters that got cut from the movie because they just, well, we're not going to get to that now. So, yeah. It would have we'll been a much know. different film uh, had that not happened. Um, and it, it, it's literally, I mean, when you think of accidents on set, um, uh, like uh, The Crow is top of that list. Yeah, uh, it, it's still it, it's still the the the, the penultimate uh, example of of uh, waste and tragedy that can come from the art of filmmaking. Oh. Uh, there's one other one we have to talk about, uh, or we would be remiss. This one was such a tragedy; it changed the way movies get made. Um, 1982. Twilight Zone the movie. Um, if you haven't seen the film, it's it's an anthology movie. It, it's several short uh, films set together, all with one wraparound segment. Um, there's a uh, a, a segment uh, directed by John Landis. That's a I believe a remake of one of the old episodes of the show. Um, this racist bigot uh, ends up finding himself in a bunch of random situations where he's on the opposite end of his racism and bigotry. It's sort of, you know, walk a mile in their shoes kind of thing. There's a segment where he finds himself in Vietnam. Only everyone there sees him as uh, a Viet Cong. And he's running from a group of American soldiers with a helicopter chasing him and a bunch of explosions going off in the background. The explosions that went off were so intense they flung rubble into the tail rotor of the helicopter, causing it to lose balance. And uh, hold on, I'll down. Uh, it pitched into the river that the actors were running in, and it killed the star that's uh, Vic Morrow, star of, of this short film, and very sadly, two child actors that he was holding at the time. Uh there were charges brought up. Uh, John Landis was charged with involuntary manslaughter along with four other members of the crew. The trial lasted uh, over a year. Uh, they were finally all acquitted. But it did lead the Directors Guild of America to put a committee together to look into safety concerns on sets. Uh, I remember earlier I mentioned all the things you had to go through to, to get a pyrotechnics license. There you go. Well, I mean... You know, coming back full circle, 
maybe what happened on the set of Rust is gonna uh, spur the same why the the same uh, sweeping changes and regulations for the qualifications for an armor. I hope so. I really hope so. Like I, I hope said, it, not. I'm looking okay. to get a new job as an armor. You just want to be an armor. It's true. But it's okay. It's okay. Because I have every confidence that you can meet the qualifications that are going to be set forth going forth. That seems weird. I didn't have <laughs> Sally forth. <laughs> Jay, question. Do you currently possess an armory? Uh, I could. Because that might be one thing you need to be an armorer. Uh, part of the job is providing the weapons for a film. So, uh, I can have somebody provide me weapons that I Just can provide out to the film. Oh, okay. So y- you can't, but you know a guy. I know a lot of guys. Right. <laughs> now you sound just more like a weird mob guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> hey, who says the mob doesn't have guns? Well, that's exactly the point, Jay, is we're saying no more guns on set. No more real guns on set. Uh, you can get away with everything you want to with airsoft and, and, and proper CGI muzzle flashes. And anyone who's going to be handing out weapons to anybody on a set should have some kind of licensing to go through before they get that job as armorer. Uh, not just, hey, you passed a background check. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. I, now, um, you know, that being said, there, there's going to be a lot of like, you know, smaller productions that maybe can't afford any CGI at all that would want to do something practical and can't afford a budget for high end airsoft or high, you know, high recreation. And, 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 and I understand that. So, but we definitely need some reform on the qualifications to become an armorer. And a lot of oversight when it comes to weapons on set. While I agree that 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 having no functional weapons at all on set is the ideal uh, situation, um, it may not always be um, possible. So we we definitely need the reform for for armor qualifications and uh, uh, handling of, of weapons on set. So. Listen, if you're if you're looking for the perfect film to show you what it looks like low budget <laughs> with airsoft guns, watch the movie Cowboys versus Dinosaurs. <laughs> I have not seen that. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's so bad. It's wonderful. Well, we, we, look at John Wick. We, we were trying to show good examples that you don't need an actual weapon on set to have good realistic firearms portrayed in movies all right you're right that's fair i'm just trying to um petition you guys to watch cowboys versus dinosaurs right it'll change your life uh i agree with you scott Uh, and part of the reason um they went with real weapons on this set sorry and by that i mean weapons capable of firing live rounds is because it's a period piece it's set in the old west it's harder to find accurate replicas of some of those older guns so again, it was kind of a cost-saving measure to go with the real thing. There you go. I don't know. Uh, sorry. Um, something just popped up on my. Uh... 
on my 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 uh, uh, I, I don't know how you say it, my screens here. So uh, <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. You you had mentioned, of course, you you had mentioned Brandon Lee. Of course, we did the 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 whole um, crow thing and stuff. Uh, and I had I had mentioned the curse and everything and. Uh, we get away from it before I could bring it up, but I was going to bring up, yeah, I, I, I saw the documentary on that, you know, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Uh, but I, I looked that up and, and I was going down that rabbit hole of the Bruce Lee story and Jason Scott Lee, who played Bruce Lee in that movie, uh-huh. right? Apparently he's in Back to the Future Part 2 as okay. a character named Whitney. Or, I'm sorry, Whitey. Whitey. W-H-I-T-E-Y. Whitey. I don't remember him for this movie. I'm sorry. Popped up on my, 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 my background research searching here, and I'm, I'm in complete awe of the fact that he was in this movie. He's also in an episode of The A-Team. That was his first acting credit as a restaurant waiter. Uh, that one I don't remember, obviously. But Back to the Future Part 2, I don't remember him in this movie. And this has been random shit Scott just learned on Nerd Alert. Okay, uh, I believe that's going to bring this to an end. Unless anyone else has other examples they want to bring up or any other points you want to make. No, I think we hit the. I think we hit the gist of it. Okay. Like uh, we hit. We hit the nail on the head. There you go. Um. We're not trying to make light of any of these. We understand in, in these uh, situations, people lost their lives, and that's always tragedy. Um, no one should ever die making a movie. Um, and our, our condolences to the family members who've lost uh, uh, loved ones on sets. And the whole point of this is to try to learn and do better. This has been your weekly nerd.